Hello, and welcome to another episode of BarkBox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I call Chrissy Powers in her home in New York City. Like most of us, she's staying home to help in her part to flatten the curve of the COVID-19. Like Chrissy, I'm doing my part as well, and I would encourage others to do the same. With that, let's talk about art. Chrissy is a painter who works with ink, gouache, watercolor, and liquid acrylic on paper. Her subjects and narratives are primarily based on personal photos. We talk about her beginnings as well as her earlier work. We also talk about the themes and narratives that she explores in her work. I ask her the advice question and my favorite, the art philosophy question. So with that, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Hello. Hey, Christy, this is Jason. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you? I mean, of course, all things considering, uh, you know, right? All things considered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm healthy. I'm painting. I'm stuck in the house. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that front. Uh, doing my my own part in social distancing as much as I can. Yeah. So, uh, thank you very much for um, uh, taking some time out to do this interview with me. I appreciate that. No worries. Glad to do it. Ooh. So. Um, so yeah, so how else? Uh, so you've been working on a lot of new stuff uh, the last couple of weeks? <laughs> Have been, yeah. I've uh, I had to move the studio into my house, so uh, first time co-working in a space with my husband, who's in tech working on his computer, oh. but getting a lot done. <laughs> All right, here we go. So once again, thank you for uh, doing this interview on a nice, lovely day. At least where I'm sitting, it's. Let me yeah. Check out my window. Yeah, it's. No. It so, is nice. It's sunny and beautiful out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that world, we can't spend much time in. <laughs> I, I know it's it's so uh, jarring and juxtaposing, really weird. Yeah. So tell me your backstory. Uh, how did you get your start in the arts? I think when I was a kid, I was always interested in art. I wasn't naturally that kid who can draw perfectly. I do a bit of teaching now and I have done more. I did more in the past. And I always try to tell kids that, you know, some people do naturally have that ability. And if you don't, you can just keep working. And that's pretty much what I did. I just, by the time I got to high school, I had really focused my efforts in on art and then, you know, went to a liberal arts college with a focus on art, actually ended up going to grad school for art, for painting in Sydney. But I mean, I grew up with a decent amount of art in my life. One of the things when we talk a little bit more about my work, my family was in the photo engraving business from like 1903 until the 1980s. Wow. So there was, you know, always photographs was a big part of my family life. And then on my grandmother's side, she was a painter. And then recently I've discovered that, you know, going back five generations, they were all painters. My great, great grandfather was a painter. Wow. So definitely have some of it i guess in the blood <laughs> yeah well, i would i would say after five generations geez yeah i wanted to ask you about your your grad school experience what was it like going to another country for grad school period i loved it for me i've always been in sort of the new york area so it was really nice to a get out of like this centralized art world of new york and see what the art world was like elsewhere right because i think you do get this sort of different perspective that 
I was sort of lost having always been in the New York art scene. Yeah. So that was great. And also, uh, to be completely honest, uh, it was much more affordable than going to school here. I remember when I was looking at, I think, Yale, they were like budget about 50 to 60 grand a year for grad school. And to be a painter, it seemed a little hard to swallow taking on six figures more of debt. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And going to another country, Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I got my entire degree there for about $15,000. So, Oh, I should have, I should have rethought my whole, yeah. Oh my goodness. So, uh, I'm going to kind of segue into this next question here, but, uh, when you were at grad school, is that when you kind of started, you know, kind of working up where you're going with your, your work in a way? Definitely. I mean, now that I look at it, I really see, I mean, I had been before grad school, been looking at photographs and painting from Polaroids, but I was really much more focused on trying to capture these sort of different light elements. Mm. And it wasn't as much about people. And then for my thesis, I ended up, I sort of realized being in Australia, I had this sort of shoebox of photographs that pretty much was what my life, you know, <laughs> if anybody needed to know what my life was, it was these 50 photographs in a box Oh wow! that were sort of random. Yeah. And so then I started working from those and painting just, um, you know, a person from that or a scene from that and sort of having them on the page, but having them with a lot of space around them and having them in different places. And also I was painting on um, general film. So mm-hmm. with watercolor and that film doesn't absorb the paint in a way that if I, uh, you know, if you squirted water on it, it would run down. So it was also sort of playing around with that fragility of it, huh. of memory. It would, so would the stuff ever kind of dry? Would it always wipe off? It would, of the it would dry, but it was just sitting on the surface. So it I had see. that sort of tension that, it, you know, if you sneezed or something happened, <laughs> it could be starting to disappear. Oh, I see. I see. And could you seal it to kind of keep it there permanently? Or was that the whole point that it could always that go away? That was sort of the whole point with those pieces, ah. was that it had this sort of element that it could easily be lost. I mean, sort of the way that memories can be lost over time or, you know, hmm. that these things do have this level of impermanence. But I also liked that I did a couple. I always thought about maybe doing a performance with it because I had a couple that I had experimented with running water over it. And those did have, then you would end up with this sort of blurry you know, paint wash, but you would still get the, uh, the trace it, the original drawing tracing. Oh, wow. That that sounds underneath. kind of like haunting so, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was definitely, I was reading a lot of Susan Sontag and <laughs> thinking about, um, sort of photography and the idea it's the sort of ghost of a memory and an image and, you know, what remains and what gets lost over time. Yeah. When I, when I see your work, I, I really do identify and see that, uh, with yeah. the work you're doing now and with your past work. So with, yeah. with with more specific, and this kind of, um, uh, I'm going to kind of alter this question a little bit because uh, I, I I was going to ask uh, with your earlier works what kinds of narratives and themes you were exploring, you kind of answered that, <laughs> but more specifically, what about now? What kind of themes and narratives are you you're working with now? So I've been working. I mean, I went. I've done a couple phases of different, you know, jumping from that from my own life to there was a period where I was actually um, trying to paint memories I had that I didn't have photos for Hmm. and doing like Google image searches by typing in these sort of poetic phrases and different things. And so working with other people's photos. And then I was did a whole series that was based on selfies of friends and people in my life. 
And then sort of the new work sort of came into being after my dad passed away. I inherited all the family photos and I started archiving those. And um, it was just one of those things that all of a sudden I realized that, you know, these pictures of my grandfather parents, friends in the thirties reminded me of scenes of my friends, you know, 20, you know, 10 years ago. Right. And I was sort of struck by how, you know, even though maybe the clothes and the hairstyles and sort of that time element is different, right. the real emotional kernel of these friendships and small moments were, were very similar. And so I really wanted to start working with those images. Wow. And that's sort of where, you know, the last couple of years have really come from. When you're looking at these photos and you start doing the work from them, how does time and place factor into that, uh, into those narratives and themes? I mean, it's been, it's actually been a, it's been a lot of fun too, just because of the film format changes over time. Cause I was working with a bunch of images that were black and white from, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. And so there I would get to really create the whole color palette and try to think about that. And then also when I'm working, I'm, I'm sort of trying to stop thinking about the photo and start mm. thinking about the memory it creates in me. Right. Um, so that it's, you know, I wanted to really capture the emotional moment as opposed to having all the details be fine, which is sort of why there's a lot of push and pull in my work where there's things that are really, you know, detailed and photographic aspects of it. And then there's really painterly aspects. And then I typically tend to paint out the faces because I want people to be able to project their own memories and stories. And I feel like when you have too concrete of a face, it becomes too locked in. And I want it to just sort of have that story, but you can't quite reach it. It has that sort of dream almost quality where it's really real, but also sort of holding you back from being completely in it. Yeah, I when I, when I look at it, I, I kind of felt like it is something that it's like it's there in my mind, but I can't quite get all the detail when I look at your work. Yeah. And um, I, I, it, it, like I said earlier, it, it is kind of like haunting, but not in a bad sense. It's, it's kind of like you want to try to hold on to or, or that memory that is kind of like your pictures in a way. It's they're faded or there might be an element that is saturated that really will, you know, kind of that's the hell that your memory may work. You know, I, yeah. I, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> yeah. I just play one on TV. But <laughs> uh, but uh, that, that's the kind of thing when I when I think of memories, my own memories, you know, because uh, when I was sitting down preparing for this interview, I was thinking about, okay, if I could imagine, you know, uh, my wife and what would I think of immediately, you know, and I started thinking about her, her clothes, her hair, and I started thinking about the details of her face. And then I started thinking about, okay, what other details that she would have on? And I started thinking less and less about like what the kind of shoe detail couldn't really quite grasp it. Yeah. And, and your pictures definitely project that to me when I view them. So. Oh, nice. At least it, yeah, it, it that's, does for that's me. What I'm hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess you're doing your job then. <laughs> oh, <thanks. laughs> so, uh, how and and why do you choose these pictures to work from then? I mean, I do. I mean, I've been archiving. I was archiving them sort of for family prosperity's sake, right. and then I also do create. You know, I have these huge files of images, you know, <laughs> images to be painted. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, for me, it's always sort of trying to see if there's a moment I can connect to. Also, uh, some things like if the photo is so good, 
I don't know if I want to paint it because, you know, if there's something that's perfect about a photo, then I don't know if it needs to be a paint. You know, I'm always trying to figure out what it is that I can add to it hmm. to make it more connected to the viewer. Yeah. Hmm. And that's why I sort of do want pictures that are these sort of snapshots or that don't feel like professional staged perfect photos where there are things slightly askew. Yeah. And... So, so this is kind of like a, a, a process, ongoing process. It's never just like you have a set set of rules. You, you always are evolving the process for doing that. Oh, I see. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and now it's interesting being home. I mean, I had all these photos sort of on deck <laughs> that I've been, you know, been scanning and getting ready. And now that, uh, now with the, you know, pretty much the quarantine, I've actually started working again for my own life. I'm painting pictures of friends or moments in my own life because I feel like I want to be connected to, to, pe to you know, the people that I love. Right. <laughs> as I don't blame you. As that might sound, but, right. you know, spending a few hours looking at a photo of a good friend and trying to recreate that moment we had at an artist residency seems important right now. So I've been doing some, I've been switching gears a little bit and adding those in. You know, I'm going to go off script here <laughs> okay. and ask, so how, do, how does it feel to be quarantined and, and given this environment right now for you, do you feel that uh, your creativity is flowing a lot easier or is it more restrained? I'm just curious. It's, it's interesting. Um, I was telling a fr painter friend of mine that for me, usually, usually my painting anxiety comes in, you know, 50%, 75% of the way there yeah. where, you know, I'm always excited to get started. And then, you know, then you have those moments where you're like, well, this is terrible. How am I going to get this resolved? Like, yeah. and I was like, right now it's actually been sort of the opposite where I've been starting. And I've been like, as soon as I start my base layer and have, you know, the underpainting going, yeah. I'm like, this isn't working. This is, this is going to be terrible. And then I'm like, you just have to keep going. And then, you know, it comes together. So my anxiety point has definitely switched, but you know, I mean, that's for me, it's funny. You know, I know a number of artists have talked about this, that, you know, it is such a solitary practice. Yeah. So for me, when I'm painting, it's the most I feel pretty normal, you know, where life is what it normally is for me. Right. And then when I'm not painting is when, you know, you start to be like, wait, what's going on in the world? <laughs> I have to go talk to those humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is important that I do things other than painting and go see people and go to shows and <laughs> have a life. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so uh, nowadays, as you know, you know, all these galleries across the world basically are doing virtual you know, uh, viewings, uh, how, how's your opinion on that? Uh, what do you think? You think it's a good thing or you think it's, you're kind of neutral about it? I mean, I do think it's a good thing. I mean, I'm so glad I'm able to see shows, even if they're just digitally, of course, as a painter, it's very hard for me to see a painting and not want to get up close and really look at what's going on with right. the texture. And, yeah. you know, you just can't get that online. But I mean, you know, I think that necessity is the mother of invention. So, you know, I think people are trying to figure out ways to do virtual, you know, studio tours and, and coming up with different ways so that we can still see new work and connect and get an idea of what's what's out there and what's being created. So I am thankful for it. I mean, it is weird in a new world and there's definitely pitfalls, but I think it is exciting in a way to get a different way to try to see more work and get more behind the scenes maybe as well. Yeah. I, I like you. I mean, I, well, one of the things I love going to a gallery or even to a museum is the ability to kind of look at the brushstroke and then kind of deconstruct in my mind 
how the artist would have would have done it and yeah. or how what I would have done. And so, you know, online is like you said, I agree with you. It's great that you can see the work and it's available to people. But the downside is that I can't like physically see it. And um, if I touch it, I go to jail. But, you know, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the proverbial touching kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that for some people, maybe it's not that different. But I think anyone who's really involved in the artistic process or really loves it is definitely missing that actual that three three-dimensional element that you just can't get in a online environment <laughs> yeah i mean and it's the other kind of um uh sensory effects too like going to a gallery that after a show is just open smelling that latex of white paint yeah and, you know or uh, the kind of quietness you know in the background or going to a museum and just having the background noise of the museum as you're looking at stuff and, and just having that that kind of crazy happening around behind you and you're able to create this bubble. Yeah. But you know, I guess for now I'll have to create the bubble here at home. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had a couple of good moments. I think one of the first days when I was freaking out a little bit, I actually just put one of the Mama Anderson paintings on my screen oh. and just sat and looked at it for like 40 minutes. Nice. And, and you know, and it really I was like, "Oh, okay. If I really let myself give into this, I can get that same emotional connection to really like intensely viewing right i could i could see that like uh, on my uh window desktop screen uh you know i'll i have i'll take pictures and i'll use those as backdrops you know yeah and uh there are the days where i'll actually will find myself just looking at those going oh i didn't see that detail look at that piece of trash that's in the background of this <laughs> scenic river yeah. you know <laughs> yeah and i think it's just also because we're so used to if we're looking at something online like the scroll and you know being quick <laughs> that, it, that right. that's how we interact with computer screens is yeah and our phones faster yeah well with that being said i wanted to ask this question to you and uh, like i said to you a moment ago it, it's not a trick question it's more of an <laughs> opinion <laughs> if, if anything could be called art what would be the point and or value of fulfilling that label of calling it art I think art is just anything that's, you know, I do think there is some value to that idea of that anything, you know, thinking about anything as art. And as long as it's got that, put that intention and thought behind it. And that there's this sort of, that there's, an, yeah, it's just sort of carefully thinking about what it is you're doing and how you're presenting it. Yeah. And that it is in the world, you know, that that's how you want it to be seen. And I think that. I mean, I feel like intention is a little bit of a loaded word right now. <laughs> it's been co-opted into so many different ways, but it is that if it's thoughtfully presented as a way that that's how it wants to be seen, then I do think that, you know, pretty much anything can be art. Yeah, I because, and I've said this before, you know, I, I think that it, it you label it also it depends on its environment that it's supposed to exist in. Yeah. You know, because uh, one person I interviewed, he... You know, he basically said it doesn't exist until it is seen by others. And that, that mm. would be his definition of calling it art, and that's the fulfilling the value of it. And I, I think it really depends on the environment, you know, uh, the space yeah. and time environment. You know, like um, could uh, a performance art piece survive in um, a parking lot versus in a gallery setting or versus um, – hmm. <laughs> I could think for hours of what other examples, but yeah, I, I believe, and this is why I like asking this question because we all have our own kind of take on what we would value or yeah. label it as. So, 
Yeah, this is actually reminding me of one of the biggest fights we got into in grad school. Uh. We had um, a theory class that involved people from like all the different master's programs like graphic design, industrial design. And so at some point, one of the industrial design students said like, oh, well, with design, like it's not like art in the sense that like you could just throw a bunch of like crap on the on the floor and call it a painting. Yeah. You know, I have if I'm making a table, it has to have four legs. And I was like, well. I mean, does it? And also, just because someone throws a bunch of things on the ground doesn't necessarily make it good art. Yeah. You know? I was like, I just remember we got very heated between the painters and because, you know, I think the idea is, yes, anything could be art. And I think you could also make an argument that a table could not have four legs, that it yeah. could be, it could have know, three, t- <laughs> it can have three legs. <laughs> you know, yeah. it can you have know, it could two. be a solid piece of wood that just comes off the ground. Uh, that there are lots of different ways, but then thinking about, well, what is good design? What is good? You know, how do these things then elevate? It is what they're trying to do. Yeah, no, that's, it is difficult, you know, cause you don't want to basically, well, let me take a step back. So I think that, you know, people, everyone brings their own kind of value to that. And uh, yeah. so it is difficult to basically, because sometimes people rely on others to say what it is, and then sometimes people want to reject that, and I accept that completely. So yeah. But uh, but anyway, so with with that being said, uh, I want to ask um, another favorite question of mine, and I, and like I said to you earlier, I do actually learn. I learn a lot from this one yeah. because it it it's uh, why I ask it is uh, what advice would you give to your past self or to other artists? I think you really have to get over your fear and just make a lot of work and make a lot of mistakes and make a lot of bad work and just keep trying and figuring out what it is that is working and what's interesting to you and pushing that forward. Yeah. That I think it is a lot of just learning to face that fear, things not working out and sort of playing with that. Hmm. That and taking chances. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, taking chances is nothing wrong with doing that, you know. Well, and, and you know, and I guess experiment too is another thing that you're you're kind of saying as well, because you know, like you were speaking earlier that you were working with different types of film to paint on, and it. Yeah. So that that's another thing that I have to remember too is just you know try different materials to play with every once in a while. Yeah, I think it's it's always worth doing, and even sometimes I think sometimes we get afraid. And we can get, especially, I know I have this issue still and I see it when I teach where, you know, if you are liking something, you start to get afraid of ruining what it is you like and you can get a little too precious with it. Whereas sometimes I've seen people take, you know, especially teaching, I get the chance to see some people do something really bold. I had a kid who had a painting she liked that was abstract, but she wasn't quite sure. And then she like, um, matte medium gelled paper over it and then the paint from underneath absorbed in and it created this crazy texture <laughs> and it was just such a bolt like you know i was like i don't know if i'd have the balls to do that with my own work like, <laughs> to just take something and completely cover it and then have it come through and see if it would work out and wow. you know that's those sort of chances are really exciting to see yeah that's and true to take <laughs> yeah so um, is there anything that you wanted to uh, go back to or add uh, that we touched on earlier? If you want to think anything about your, your past work, current work, or anything like that? Um, I 
think we covered most of it. Yeah, I mean, I just, one of the things maybe I didn't mention as much, I mean, I know now that I'm doing work for my own life, I do also have a slight interest um, sort of in telling the stories of women's lives in smaller moments, because I don't think there's as much uh, that we see of women besides through like either the male gaze or sort of just as being sort of subject matter in this very like pretty way. Yeah. So I am interested in sort of these smaller moments and showing women in different periods of their lives. Hmm. I'm actually very curious to see this. <laughs> so, I mean, I've switched now. I started painting more men, but for a while I really only painted women. Yeah. Um, just cause I mean, I always think about, um, like sort of young adult literature and I, it is changing now, but there were so few novels growing up that were about sort of coming of age as a, as a girl yeah. that weren't stories like, you know, Prozac nation or oh. the bell jar that weren't right. about women with mania. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or it's, um, you know, some kind of like, uh, the boys in clothes kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think it was, I've always sort of been interested in trying to show, you know, the experiences that I've lived and that other women in my life have lived and are living. Yeah. Like I said, I'm very curious to see these, these works now. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably not the major, I wouldn't, you know, it, it but it is something I do think about and I, you know, I can see it in my work. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, like I said, I'm going to definitely check that out now. So, well, uh, that pretty much wraps it up. I know it didn't seem like it took long to do the interview, but it has been about 30 minutes. So okay. <laughs> um, I want to say thank you again for doing this. And uh, oh, Thanks so much. I'm excited. It'll be great. I, I think it's going to be not just great, but fantastic. So. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> so, Even if it might take me a little bit to listen to it because I'll get nervous. <laughs> oh, you'll, you'll be fine. I mean, a lot of people, and, and I and I get this one, you know, they tell me it's like when they hear the show, that's like, I, I sound weird. It's like, well, you're not used to hearing yourself. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I went through that same phase too. You know, nowadays if I hear myself, it's like, ah, no big deal. Like, oh. Now I'm thinking more technical stuff like, oh, I had my, my voice sounds too tinny. And I got to, <laughs> that's that kind of. <laughs> You're like, now I'm thinking through that lens. <laughs> right. So it's, you know, but thank you again. And oh, thank you so much. This was great. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And I, I learned <laughs> I like, a lot. It's nice, it's nice to talk about art with someone. <laughs> uh, that, that's why I love doing this, to be honest with you. Yeah. I love talking about art and I love talking about the processes and everything else. All right. Well, thank you again. And I appreciate it. I want to thank Chrissy again for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to learn more information about her and her work, visit her website at chrissypowers.org or her Instagram at chrissy underscore powers. To hear past episodes of Artbox, you can visit the website at artboxdnv.com or just search your favorite podcast platform for Artbox DNV. Until next time, thank you for listening.